Hello, this is Matt Woodrum, and I want to thank you for listening to the Wrestling with Fatherhood podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. Wrestling with Fatherhood is all about equipping dads to discover their strengths, understand their value, develop their goals, and live out their dreams to become their children's biggest heroes in life. Today, I am so pleased to introduce my friend Ricky Shetty. Ricky, thank you for being on here. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I love the theme of your show about wrestling with fatherhood. That's something I do constantly. So I'm super excited to talk with you all about fatherhood. Uh, thanks for having me on your show, Matt. Man, I'm glad to have you. So for people who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your family. Of course, of course. I'm known online as the Daddy Blogger, so Ricky Shetty from daddyblogger.com. And in terms of my family, uh, I have a lovely wife, Anne, and I have three wonderful kids. I have a six-year-old daughter named Rianne, four-year-old son named Ryan, and a two-year-old little guy named Renzo. So one girl, two boys, and I'm loving it, traveling around the world and seeing the world through their amazing little eyes. Ah, that is awesome. So what are some of the, the favorite places that you've traveled? So. Like what, is, what has been a couple of your favorite locations? Yeah, yeah. So let me put in the context. So I'm actually from Vancouver, Vancouver, BC, Canada. So I'm not too far from you over there in the U.S. Uh, but we've been traveling actually for the last year and a half. So we left the hometown of Vancouver and we've been traveling. Uh, we did a lot uh, through Central and South America. Actually, we did not just a lot. We did every single country in South America. So there's 12 <laughs> out of 12 countries there. Then we did every country in Central America, eight out of eight. So we've done every country from uh, Alaska to Argentina, across the continental uh, Canada, US, into you know Mexico, Belize, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, uh, Costa Rica, Panama, then all the way down like you know through Brazil, Chile, Argentina, etc. So we've done all of those countries, and then now we're uh, exploring Asia. Uh, so my wife is actually from the Philippines, so she's Filipino, and her parents live in the Philippines. So we happen to be here in Manila, which is the capital of the Philippines. And uh, uh, we've traveled, uh, you know, like uh, a lot as a family. I've personally been to 81 countries on six continents. And it's one of my big passions, um, not just to travel myself, but of course, to travel and show my kids, but ultimately to inspire other people, especially other moms and dads. I know a lot of your audience is dads. And I really feel that the best education we can give our kids is through the power of travel and seeing the amazing world that God has created. Wow, that is awesome, man. There's so many different things I want to ask you, but I need to make sure that I don't get ahead of myself here. So uh, what does it mean to be a digital nomad? I know that's one of the ways that you describe yourself. And how did you decide on becoming a digital nomad? Yeah, great question. So for those of your listeners who don't know, a digital nomad basically means, uh, if you look at the two words, digital means you're working online. And uh, nomad means you're traveling. So it's basically someone who's working online and traveling at the same time. So it's not like we're on a permanent vacation or uh, we're not working because we would quickly run out of money if we were doing that. Uh, <laughs> we'd end up broke and living back at home probably with my parents. Uh, but uh, so what, happened, what ended up happening is back in Vancouver, I was already working online. I was doing things like uh, internet marketing, blogging, podcasting, YouTube marketing. I was, of course... Uh, my, my thing I'm best known for is daddyblogger.com. So through our travels, I'm able to get a lot of sponsors. So sponsored hotels, sightseeing, food, transport. Uh, but I'm also doing private coaching. I know you do that as well, Matt. So I, I teach and coach specifically on the topic of digital nomadism. So basically uh, teaching people how they can generate income online uh, through things like online courses, through things like Kindle books. I actually have seven books about the seven continents and uh, I, I published them in seven months. And I also have a whole bunch of different online courses. 
uh, about 12 of them currently on a website called Udemy. Um, so you can, you guys can check it out and you can have links below. Basically, udemy.com and I'll spell it out, U-D-E-M-Y. So uh, Udemy is basically the biggest online course marketplace in the world. Uh, so I have several different courses on there, everything from personal branding uh, to social media marketing, blogging, podcasting, YouTube marketing, uh, getting to the media, uh, speaking, coaching, um, writing and publishing Amazon books. I know you had a chance to look at one of my courses there. Uh, so I'm a big advocate of, um, um, in terms of like making money online, especially for dads and moms, uh, because that allows you the freedom and flexibility to work from home, invest quality time with your kids, and uh, not having to be stuck, uh, you know, commuting in traffic, rush hour, uh, you know, working a, a nine to five job. So even if you are, uh, you know, of that variety, uh, you know, uh, uh, like a nine to five corporate dad, I still uh, advocate for developing the side hustle or the side business. <laughs> and uh, really, really, it's just changed my life in terms of investing time with my wife and kids. And um, in terms of the whole nomad side, so that was the digital side, you know, working online. And the cool thing about working online is then you have the freedom to basically work from anywhere as long as you have an internet connection uh, you know on this podcast you might actually notice my internet connection isn't that great just because i happen to be here in the third world in the philippines and the internet is not as good as over there in the u.s or where i'm from canada uh, so as long as you have decent internet uh, like we actually can talk we can see each other we can do audio recording right so i can do my coaching calls um, I can do my, I also am a podcaster, so I have like 500 episodes on my show as well. Matt's been on my show too, so you can have a link to that one. Um, and I can do what I need to do anywhere. So I can do it from a beach, a cafe, a restaurant, a hotel. I happen to be at an Airbnb here. I can do it at an internet cafe, a co-working space. So uh, the sky is literally not the limit as long as the sky is internet. <laughs> so you could pretty much work anywhere besides maybe some jungles or some villages with really no internet service. So um, that's exactly what a digital nomad is, is someone who's working and traveling. Wow, that's awesome. I love that you're a digital nomad who's been all over the world. Uh, what has been some of the best experiences that you've had in traveling with your wife and kids? You know, that question I could answer for the next 20 years because there have been so many amazing experiences. Like literally, I look at every day as like amazing. Um, but uh, in terms of like kind of the highlights, uh, so one of the big highlights was actually when we went to South Africa and we got to see the animal safari in the wild. We got to see lions and elephants and giraffes and zebras and wildebeest, like literally like one, two, three, four meters away from us. So it is oh, such wow. an incredible experience when you take your kids uh, to see the amazing animals that God has created, but not through the confines of a, a cage or, uh, you know, like a zoo or aquarium, but they get to see in the wild the way that God intended, you know, like God created these amazing animals and like, uh, unfortunately, we as humans tend to put them in cages and screw them up psychologically. But, uh, you know, like it, it's such an amazing experience when you can show your kids uh, these amazing animals, these amazing cultures, food. Um, so we really like South Africa and Africa generally because of the amazing wildlife there. Uh, we love South America. We had ended up going to Amazon. So we got to go to the heart of the Amazon and go in canoes and see the uh, ecosystem, the biodiversity, the flora and fauna, and uh, teach the kids about the, how a rainforest works, not just from a textbook, but actually by being in the Amazon. 
uh, we got to teach them about, um, you know, the history and the culture of, of like places like Machu Picchu, Chichen Itza, that's the, the, the Aztec Mayan ruins in like Mexico area, and um, Machu Picchu has the Inca ruins in like Peru. Uh, we've seen amazing natural beauty, things like uh, Iguazu Falls, which is the biggest waterfalls in the world. They're located between Brazil and Argentina. We've seen the Bolivian salt flats, which is the biggest salt flats in the world. Uh, we've seen some amazing cities as well, like places like Dubai. It's one of the most technologically and just like uh, futuristic cities in the world. Like everything just big, big, big and tall, tall, tall. They have the <laughs> biggest, uh, sorry, the tallest building in the world, fastest roller coaster. They have the most expensive hotel. So Dubai is just phenomenal. It's like a very futuristic city. We got to take them there. Uh, you know, uh, just Cape Town, one of the most beautiful cities. Uh, Rio de Janeiro, another incredible city. Oh man, you know, I could go on and on, but uh, they've been incredible highlights, but I, I would say some of the top ones have been Animal Safari, uh, the Amazon, uh, and then Iguazu Falls, uh, the biggest waterfall system in the entire world. So yeah, so many experiences. Wow, that, that, that is phenomenal. I love how you touched on something here, you know, a second ago, and I'd love to hear you elaborate on it. But in world traveling, it doesn't sound like you are concreted in a, a school, in one school of the world uh, or anything. In fact, it sounds like you guys do a lot of homeschooling or world schooling. Uh, how has that homeschooling benefited you a lot more than traditional schools? I know that you had mentioned, you know, zoos versus you know, seeing animals actually in the wild. Uh, so how has you know, homeschooling benefited more than traditional schools? Yeah, you know, uh, as parents, uh, we want the best possible education for our kids. And there's a whole bunch of different education modalities. There's obviously public schools, private schools. You can do like, uh, you know, Christian schools. You can do homeschooling. You can do world schooling. You can do unschooling, self-directed learning. And I'm a fan of education generally. So I, I believe education's uh, so, 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 so important. So now as parents, we need to figure out what is the best possible education for us. And I mean, every parent's going to, have their opinion on this. So I'm not saying my way is the right way or uh, our way is the way everyone should do it. It just happens to work for us. And there's also drawbacks in the, in the method we've chosen as well. So I just want to qualify it before I answer the question there. Uh, so we have tried all, not all, every method, but we've tried several different methods for kids. We've tried public schooling. We've tried private schooling. We've tried unschooling. We have tried world schooling and we've tried homeschooling. And we actually like a fusion approach. Um, so back in Vancouver, we put them in a public school and uh, it was fine. I mean, like they were learning, they learned the basics of reading, writing, arithmetic. Um, we tried a private school where it's a little bit more specialized, smaller, uh, Christian based. We've also tried unschooling where we just traveled and uh, they weren't actually formalized education besides things like online and YouTube. And then we tried uh, homeschooling too. We've uh, registered them as uh, homeschoolers in our province of British Columbia. So we do have a curriculum and an assistant teacher who um, we can meet up with online and who gives us direction and guidance in terms of how to teach properly. And um, one of our favorite approaches is this whole idea of world schooling, which means, uh, for those of your listeners who are not familiar, it's basically the world is the classroom and uh, the people they meet are the teachers and travel is their best education. And I actually side towards that because I've seen the approaches and I've seen how do our kids learn best. And you as me and as adults, we learn through immersion, right? Yeah. If I'm going to teach you something like the guitar, 
I can't go to a classroom and just say, okay, this is the theory of guitar and you got to learn all the notes and you got to, uh, you know, uh, do this and this and this. You got to actually pick up the guitar and start playing. So it's the same thing with like things like history and culture, um, economics, geography. Like when are kids actually explore South, Central America, Africa, Asia, Europe, um, North, you know, like America, like we want to take them to every continent. Um, they actually get to learn not just about the continents and the sightseeing, but they learn about the history, like how did uh, colonization work and how do uh, the economies work differently and why are some countries poor and rich? And they get to learn about the economies like uh, money and they get to uh, learn about people and food and culture. And there's so, 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 so much learning they've, uh, um, you know, kind of internalized through this power of uh, travel. So people might not want to be as crazy as we are, you know, traveling full time, uh, long term. But at least I would recommend uh, getting outside of, you know, the comfort zone. Like if you are from Canada, the U.S., get outside of North America, take them down to Central America. It's cheap flights. You could drive down even and teach them about a different culture, not just Disneyland or Universal Studios or <laughs> Epcot Center. Or, like those things are great. Uh, we have taken them to Disneyland and they love it. We've taken them to Legoland. They love it. But in terms of the actual learning, Mickey and Mouse and Minnie Mouse can only teach them so much. <laughs> you know? Uh, like the things they learn when they're like um, traveling through South America, it's so intangible. It's like they're learning that not everyone in the world speaks English. They're learning that not everyone is like, uh, has lots of toys. We volunteer at orphanages. When we stay at an orphanage, they realize not everyone actually has parents. And when we volunteer and give back, they're like, they realize it's not all about us and it's not only about the latest toys and gadgets and tech. It's about how can we contribute, give back, make a difference. So. I'm super passionate about the area of like um, travel as a teacher, not just travel for the sake of, oh, let's take off items off a bucket list. Okay, we've done the Eiffel Tower, we've done Machu Picchu, we've <laughs> done the Great Wall of China, we've done Taj Mahal, we've done the Ayers Rock. Yes, that is part of a travel, but I feel the bigger and most important part of travel is like the people we meet, the encounters we make, and you know, you and me are Christians, and it says very clearly in Matthew 28, to go and make disciples of all nations. So we as Christians, we're called to do that. Go and make disciples of all nations in every part, every corner. Definitely. I love what you're hearing, and, or I love what I'm hearing, uh, and that is how important culture is and instilling different cultures into our children. Why is it, so important to introduce different cultures into our children's lives? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Like, um, what ends up happening is we live our life through a scope or a lens or a paradigm or our pink, pink glasses or our rose glasses, right? So if you're living like we were in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, we tend to view the world from the suburb we're living in, from the people we're meeting, from the drive back and forth from school, from my work. So uh, it's very limited to the suburb, to the city, to the province, to the state, to the country we're in. Of course, you can learn about it through the media, through Wikipedia, through Google, um, through um, you know, YouTube, etc. But there's something so different when you actually step outside of your comfort zone and you actually leave North America. I'm speaking from a perspective of Canadian North American right but when you leave North America you're like wow the world doesn't operate anything like we think it does in Canada US and it operates so differently and so uniquely and so culturally uh, differently right so 
it's so important for them to understand that and realize that like uh, the poorest person in America or Canada is probably way richer than a person here in the Philippines or in India or like in Africa, right? Just because you have access to food, drinking water, uh, government facilities, et cetera. And you know, like it's so easy for us like to say, first of all, problems or complain about like uh, <laughs> things. But, but when you actually come here to a place like the Philippines where I am, which is one of the poorest countries in all of Asia, and you see literally like I'm in Airbnb and when I go downstairs, I'll see kids begging. I'll see like extreme, extreme poverty. And um, this is what we need to learn and we need to teach our kids. We need to learn this for ourselves as adults and as parents firstly, but we also need to teach our kids that because um, we have a duty as citizens on this planet to care for it and to be stewards of it and impact it and transform it and make it a better place. And if we live in, um, you know, the comfortable Christian or just the Western bubble, we need, we wouldn't, I don't think we'll have done uh, God's full mission, which is, you know, the work of evangelism and the work of social justice and transforming the world, stewarding the world, taking care of those who are less fortunate, the widows, the orphans, et cetera, right? So I really feel it's God's mandate to do what we're doing to some degree, right? Like we're not traditional mysteries in the in that sense of the word where we're like we're commissioned by a church and you know they're giving us money every month we're working we're tent makers like paul and you know uh some of the disciples uh, but we really feel we're missional in the sense like we are doing god's work by showing our kids and i really feel our kids will be better global citizens by actually seeing the world itself so there's so many ways i can answer that in terms of like uh how can culture and the world teach us as adults us as parents and us as kids and us as a family and of course now that i've learned all this i can relay that through my blog and through my podcast and these kind of interviews to other people and maybe inspire them to consider this life of travel or consider maybe breaking the bubble of suburban life or consider um you know volunteering or doing a mission strip right so that's all I want to do is like help people to consider and change their thinking and maybe make the important decision to get outside of the comfort zone. That's awesome. I think one of the problems that we do have here in, in North America is that we are so comfortable with our material possessions that we don't know what it's like on the other side of the, the tracks, if you will. And we think when we look at and, and when we're driving down a major city, you know, we see what we think is poverty. And in the United States, and, and I've only been to Canada once, so I can't really speak in Canada, but in the United States, we don't know what poverty is because there's always a way to get some drinking water. There's always a way to, you know, there's always someone passing you by who has, you know, some money or who's willing to help you out and stuff like that. And so, you know, you get to these other countries and, and again, I haven't traveled very much out of the United States, but you get into these other countries and what happens when you're in a country where everyone who passes you has the exact same amount of water that you do? And so you really can't, it's very difficult to change the economy and the, uh, you know, the, 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 the things that they have and, and help them with what they've got. And so I really love and I, I respect what you're doing uh, and, and seeing and showing and, and, yeah, just did, and that's that's just such an awesome educational uh, you know experience, and uh, yeah, I I love it. Uh, so, how has traveling the world, or, or what has traveling the world taught you about yourself and your family? It's taught me much more than I can ever share in terms of words, uh, because it's actually changed my heart. 
And that's non-communicable. I can't communicate how my heart's been changed or my spirit or my soul or uh, my mind. Um, so the fact that it's changed me is so profoundly powerful that I can't actually express it linguistically. Um, so in terms of like uh, kind of like maybe tangible ways to express the change, um, so I, I feel like in Canada, where I'm from, like uh, I was very much living for us, our family. Like, okay, we need to pay the bills. We need to pay the mortgage. Uh, you know, the, the bills are due. Uh, we need to put them in the best possible school. And it was like all Ricky, Ricky and the kids said, right? It's really it's all about us. Yeah, we volunteer at church and we do, you know, help out every now and then with different volunteer programs. But it was so us centric we live in a very ego self-centric society and even as us as christians we are victims of that to some degree right like we also like victims of the environments we live in um so i really feel like i've shifted my mind and my perspective and my heart towards like how can i shift from being us centric to being other centric truly 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 in terms of like uh, not just uh, lip service but how can i really shift in terms of like my time, my money, my energy, my efforts, my focus, my future, uh, my priorities, right? Like how can I actually shift all these things? And I'm guilty. I haven't shifted to the degree that I could or should, I must. Um, so I'm still a work in progress. And I feel like this journey is helping me to, the sh to shift uh, to the degree that uh, to maybe a little percentage of the degree that I really should shift, right? It's not like, you know, Mother Teresa shift where like I give up everything, <laughs> volunteer in the streets of Calcutta. That's extreme radical shifting, right? Or like the missionaries from the US or Canada who have given up everything. And a lot of people don't know them. They're volunteering, they're giving their life to, to God and to missions and to others, serving in a slum in Cambodia or like a, a school in Kampala, Uganda, right? So there's amazing missionaries and um, God workers who are doing God's work in every part of the corner of the world. So I feel I'm not there yet. Uh, and I definitely want to do God's will and work. And I'm asking him constantly. I'm like, I'm wrestling with that question. Like, God, now that you've shown me the world and you are showing me the world, how can I use this for your glory, uh, for the benefit of your people, right? I'm, I'm wrestling with him, you know, to, to quote your show, right? I wrestle with my mission. I wrestle with uh, my selfishness. I wrestle with my calling in God. And I wrestle with my desire to serve myself and my own needs and also to uh, serve my family's needs and ultimately to serve the world and people, right? So that's, that's a wrestle I face. But it's definitely... Uh, the travel has helped me to wrestle in a more positive way rather than just saying, okay, I'm comfortable and the only real worry is paying off the mortgage. So I think I'm beyond that now at least. Uh, that, that is awesome. Again, it, it's just, it, it's phenomenal to hear what you and your family are doing. Uh, just not only in a, in a ministry sense, but in, you know, the world schooling and, and showing your kids that material possessions isn't where it's at. And, you know, I'm I'm looking up right now at, at, at my house and it, like it, it in the grand scheme of stuff, we look at material possessions as more valuable than people. And it's really a sad concept where, you know, people will they'll fight over this material possessions during something like Black Friday uh, or, you know, Cyber Monday. It's all about getting the best deal and the biggest and the best. And there's people that are that are right across the street, right across the ocean that are starving and that, that, that don't have money to feed their families. And, and it's, it, it's, 
it's crazy. Like, and I, I, this is talking as somebody who's never been there. I've been to Mexico right across the border uh, on a missionary trip. And, and my heart ached for those people. And like those people are probably rich compared to some of the people that you've come in contact with. It, it's, it, it's really, it's, it's a, it's a crazy humbling experience. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I've been to Mexico as well. And like Mexico is uh, wealthy compared to like uh, the poorer parts of Africa, poorer parts of Southeast Asia here. Like there's extreme uh, poverty in terms of like people can literally food and they have bones in their body because they're just starving for food and they can't get access to drinking water. They have to like walk kilometers just to access, uh, you know, like just to put water into their mouth. And it's just like... Uh, like Mexico, I mean, of course, there's like rich and poor in Mexico too. But yeah, Mexico yeah. Uh, is uh, definitely well off compared to what I've seen in this world. Uh, the slums of uh, like uh, Cambodia, the the slums of like um, India, um, South Africa, here in the Philippines are just like, wow. <laughs> you get you get uh, shocked. You're just like, what have we done, God, with your world and with your people that we've uh, come to this state of society where we have, I really believe this, uh, we have enough in the world to solve everyone's problems, but not everyone's greed. We have enough money, like we can solve problems in a heartbeat, right? If the governments came together, NGOs come together, individuals, we as individuals like gave up our materialism to some degree, we don't have to give up everything. Like, but if we all came together, Poverty would be gone in a heartbeat. I, it's just so uh, clear as day to me that it would be the case, uh, but it isn't because we, me, chooses to be selfish, right? Like I always have to point yeah. the finger to me, not to the governments or not to, um, it's so easy to blame our governments and to take, deflect. Oh yeah, you know, I wish our government helped out. I wish the NGOs helped out. I wish World Vision didn't take so much to admin and um, you know, like all the, into the, the, the CEO's pockets or whatever that's judgment like that's the ceo's decision right i gotta look at myself and my own you know like pick the speck out of my own eye before i look <laughs> at the you know rock and other in the other's eye right so it's like uh gandhi said this really well he said be the change you want to see in the world right like if i want to see a world of equality and fairness and peace and justice then i gotta do that right i gotta like uh, be part of the solution not a part of the problem and i feel i'm still part of the problem so until i shift to being part of the solution i can't blame anyone else except ricky shetty wow that is such a powerful quote uh, be the change you want to see in the world wow that that is a you know kind of that, that slap across the face i think that uh that a lot of us don't like to do that self-examination. Wow. That we have enough in the world to satisfy everyone's need, but not everyone's greed. That's another Gandhi quote. He said, we have enough in the world to satisfy everyone's need, but not everyone's greed. And another third Gandhi quote, just because I'm in a, the role with the Gandhiisms. So Gandhi said this about Christians. He's like, I love your Christ, but I don't like Christians because your Christians are so unlike your Christ and man guilty again right I'm so unlike the Christ I claim to follow so I gotta like fix myself um, uh, and then uh, not fix myself in the sense like okay uh, do the, the the work and all that I gotta like let God into me and let the world into me in terms of like 
not the bad parts of the world, but the need and uh, the yearning of the world for us, right? Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to quote Obama to you just because I want this quote kind of like a train <laughs> a wagon. So Obama said, we are the world's, we are the ones we've been looking for, right? So we are, with, sorry, we are the ones we have been waiting for. So instead of waiting, again, the government, the Democrats, the Republicans, the liberals, the conservatives to save it, like we, we as a community, we as a, a kind of like society can help solve the person's problems, uh, people's problems and the world's problems. So I'm going to get off my quotes uh, bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully those quotes help inspire people. I absolutely love it. So how have these traveling adventures improved your relationship with your wife and why do you think that is? Yeah, so let me take you to the before and after, you know, just like the wait before and after pictures. Well, let me take you to the marriage before and after pictures or the, the visuals. Uh, so back in Vancouver, my wife and me, we were busy working parents. My wife was working in corporate Canada at Best Buy, a big electronics company, which you have in the U.S. as well. So she was working in corporate Best Buy, and then I was working in event production. And we would be both crazy busy working parents. So she would work <laughs> 9 to 5. I would work at my evening events and weekends. So we would just be, like, passing each other. Like, I would take care of the kids in the day. She would take care of the evening. And we're like, here you go. Hand off. Bye-bye. Have a good day. And that was the extent of our relationship as like, and like, you know, before we, when I came home from work, uh, from my work, she would be sleeping, the kids would be sleeping. Uh, the next morning she'd go to work before I woke up. And it was just like such a poor relationship in terms of the actual depth uh, that is possible in a marriage. Um, so we don't want to live that way for the rest of our lives, like for the next, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, how many years we end up living. <laughs> We wanted to nurture our marriage. We want to nurture our family and our kids. So um, we just felt like if we kept living the way we're living, um, nothing would change, right? So we had to change for things to change. So we chose to change for our marriage to change, uh, for our family to change, for our kids to change. And now the after picture is like I'm spending every day with my wife and kids. And uh, we're investing so much quality time with uh, my, uh, our kids. And uh, we're having... Uh, quite a lot of date nights like uh, at least like we used to have date nights maybe like once every couple months now we're doing it at least like a couple times a month so and I, ideally the goal is to go to weekly right weekly date nights <laughs> and we're having like dedicated Ricky Ann time and even more sex and uh, you know just like a better love life as well uh, so I just feel like uh, our marriage has really thrived um, since we have made a decision to focus on family first and uh, you know, like finances second. So it's like faith first, family second, and finances third. And really that reprioritization of our schedule has changed everything because we might've said we, oh yeah, yeah, you know, like kind of again, lip service, like yeah, faith first, family second, finances third. But really back in Vancouver, it was like finances were way up there because we couldn't, we were struggling to pay off our mortgage and we were struggling to just to make ends meet. And I know your listeners are probably in the same situation to some degree, where they're struggling just to have more money than month, right? Sometimes you have more month than money and you're going to debt. Um, so we were just kind of like debating like how to, how to solve this. And we haven't solved all our problems now. I just wanted to actually share that side of things too. There's so many struggles now, even financially now, like, you know, my income is unstable as an entrepreneur, just like most entrepreneurs are. We choose to live in the cheaper part of the world just because it's cheaper than back in North America, right? So um, we would be struggling so much back in Canada, but here we can live quite comfortably. Like we can eat out and we can, uh, you know, like we can take taxis, like back, taxi back home, 
would be like 20, 30 bucks. The same tax here is like one and $2. So <laughs> it's just so crazy, the price differences um, here. So our marriages got better. Our, um, you know, our parenting's got better. Our families got better. But I just wanted to say there's also struggles financially. There's struggles with loneliness. Like uh, back in Vancouver, we had a strong community, uh, friends. But now we don't have that as strongly. I mean, of course, we can connect to, like, we are friends, Matt. And we can connect to our friends and family back home through, like, Zoom or Skype or Google Hangouts or FaceTime or WhatsApp, uh, Voxer, etc. But it's not the same. Um, there's something powerful about having, like, physical, in-person connections. So we, have, we struggle with the loneliness, kind of like the socialization angle, and the burnout. Honestly, there's also burnout when we travel, when you're going from place to place, when you're checking in, checking out, when you're packing and packing, when you're learning different languages, and you're constantly bombarded by stimulus. There can be a sense of burnout and exhaustion and fatigue. Uh, so sometimes you just have to stop traveling and just like settle and base yourself for a few months, and then kind of regain your stamina, energy, focus, and prior, like, reprioritize travel and then go again. So I just wanted to kind of throw that in there too, that uh, our marriage family has got a lot better, but there's like different issues that have come up. Well, and I think that, you know, that's the, that was my next question is what is some of the most challenging part of your family travels? Cause you know, it's, it would be really easy for someone to look at like me to look at your business and your, your blog and, and see the, the, the awesome pictures that you guys and your family take. But when you take that same picture, and you zoom out, a lot of times there are some different issues and struggles that are there that people don't see with that immediate picture. What are some of the different, like what is the most challenging part of your lifestyle? I'm so glad you mentioned that because on social media, that's exactly what we see. We see the good parts of our lives, not just for nomads or travelers, most people. I would say even everyone, uh, everyone is showing the best parts of themselves to some degree. There are people who are more vulnerable, more transparent than others, but I'm guilty. Hey, again, I always look at myself as the guilty one before I point the finger at like, oh, everyone's so superficial on so social media. Everyone's just pointing the positive things. What about me, Ricky? What about, you know, myself? How come I'm not being more and more vulnerable? How come I'm not being more transparent? How come I'm only showing the positive things? So again, I want to be the change that I want to see in the world. So I've started actually becoming a lot more transparent and vulnerable and people actually resonating with that. Um, like for example, I just shot a video, I was feeling the sense of like loneliness and uh, just like, I was feeling like I needed friends and I, I just made a video and it was very impromptu. Just shot a video saying, hey guys, I just had something on my heart. I'm here in the Philippines. There's not many foreigners around and I miss my friends back home and I'm feeling this loneliness. And us men, we typically don't say these kind of things publicly on the podcast or on social media. Uh, but but when I said that, people like actually like uh, said, I respect you more, Ricky, because you're willing to say that. Like you're not just putting on a show and saying everything's okay. But the fact that you're saying that you are lonely and you're going through struggles and difficulties, um, it reels us up. It like makes us more real. And um, I think people can also uh, be real too. If we be real, it gives permission for others to be real. And I think people just automatically connect. Connect when you when you're vulnerable, people can be vulnerable as well. So. I've started being more open about my struggles um, in terms of uh, loneliness, in terms of like I've gone through depression back in Vancouver. I'm much more open about that period of my life when I went through a hard, challenging time. I'm much more open about like, um, you know, we talked about this when, uh, when you know, you, I interviewed you on my show, but you know, like my parents had a divorce and uh, I don't have a good relationship with my, with my dad. Um, so there's definitely a, uh, 
struggle there with unforgiveness and like a um, struggle with my own parents. Um, and I struggle to be present with my kids. So I'm usually on this little device, the iPhone, right? And I'm like, I'm here and I'm like talking to my kids, talking to my wife, but I'm here. So it just like put down the phone and uh, be focused, right? So I struggle with my health, you know, going to gym regularly, eating healthy. So there's so many struggles and, you know, I, I'm so open about it. Like I struggle with my relationship with God, you know, like reading the Bible regularly, consistently, daily, um, you know, like even waking up. Do I pray to God first or do I go to the washroom, drink my water? Honestly, I go to the washroom, drink my water a lot of the time, not just yeah. thanks God for an amazing day, right? So I just, um, I think I have to recognize it and, and start to, um, I think awareness is the key to change, right? So the fact that I'm aware uh, alone won't change it. Like awareness plus action equals change. So I'm aware, I'm taking action, and that will lead to change. And also it will lead others to take, be aware and take action and change themselves. So it's a ripple effect, right? Be the drop and other, other people will also kind of feel the ripples of that. So th those are some of my struggles. Um, I think I've shared kind of all the different dimensions and areas <laughs> of my life that I struggle in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, there, there's so much that, you know, it's, it's easy to sit here and, and, and send out, you know, you had mentioned missionaries and, and people out into the world and say, hey, well, you know, why don't you go and why don't you fix their, their society and their economy and stuff like that while we sit back here at home and, and comfortable. And, you know, a lot of times we don't think about like the loneliness. We don't think about their struggles. I was talking to a missionary a couple years ago. And he was over in Africa somewhere, and I, I can't remember exactly where, but he had fallen into some, some uh, health issues. And over in Africa where he was, they didn't have the, the, the health care that we have here in the U.S. And so he had to hop on a plane, you know, as, as someone who, who was sick and, and, you know, wasn't healthy at all and come to the U.S. to get the, the you know, the proper health care. And so, I mean, there's so many different things that we don't even think about as people who are living comfortably in the U.S. And as you mentioned, people who are living, you know, in Canada that, you know, we don't think of the people who are sacrificing, you know, their, their vehicles, their cars, their trucks, their, you know, their furniture, their TV, their, you know, you mentioned iPhone, you know, people who are, who are sacrificing the you know, a working stove, uh, uh, you know, a microwave or refrigerator, you know, th there's so many different things that we take for granted each and every single day. And I love what you just said about it's so easy to take these things for granted before dropping a knee, praying and thanking God for them. And I love that about what you just said, you know, that, that's very honest. It's very, uh, you know, upfront. And that's a, a thing that I know that I personally struggle with, you know, without seeing a lot of the things that you've seen and the experiences that you've had. And I think that we would be in such a better mind space uh, to help people, to, to, to witness to people, to, to share with people, you know, if, if we did get into the habit of just dropping a knee and, and thanking God for, you know, all this different stuff, and, you know, before taking these things for granted. So thank you for, for sharing that part. So, Finishing up, uh, you know, I just I, I would love to ask for your advice uh, for listeners who are who are listening and and who you know might have some more questions. You know, so what advice would you give to parents who are considering homeschooling or world schooling or these different forms of education? Yeah, so specifically to do the area with like traveling with your kids, it is scary. 
um, you know, like I, I had a lot of fears. I still have a lot of fears. I'm going to have fears. It's not like, okay, we made a decision to travel. The fears have all gone away. No, 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 no. There's still fears. <laughs> There's fears of the safety, security. There's fears of health. Uh, just remember this. There's hospitals, pharmacies, uh, uh, doctors, dentists, everywhere in the world. You just have to remember that because people have teeth in other parts of the world. People get sick in other parts of the world. People need to go to the hospital. They have ambulances. So just remember that, that there's going to be help and support if you ever need it. Like we've never had anything major happen to us in terms of like health and safety. You know, thanks to God, there's nothing major that's happened. But, you know, we've had to go to like hospitals for checkups and, you know, like a son like fell once and he was bleeding. We had to just rush him to the hospital. He got bandaged up. We did that in Brazil. We didn't know any, any Portuguese, so we knew very little Portuguese. But, you know, people figure out what happened. This, this, you know, my, my son fell, he was bleeding, so they knew what to do. You know, like, we didn't need, need like, to communicate exactly what happened or, like, uh, what we needed help with. Like, the doctor, I mean, the doctors actually could speak English because they were a little bit more educated uh, at, the, at the hospital itself. But, um, you know, like, People are there to help, firstly, um, and there's, I just wanted to reassure people that you can get help and medicine and support no matter where in the world you are, unless you're in like a super remote part. Even there, there's going to be a doctor within uh, you know, a reasonable distance away. Uh, so in terms of the actual practicalities of like traveling, I'm going to give you guys uh, some practical steps. I don't like to talk to you, I like to give practical advice. So these are my four steps to travel the world and these are the exact suburbia leave a domesticated dad to become a digital nomad dad the four steps first is you got to save secondly you got to sell thirdly you get sponsorships and fourthly is get a salary so quickly I'll explain what all that means uh, well savings is pretty self-explanatory just save towards your travel budget you know put aside like 20 bucks a month 50 bucks a month whatever you can afford right like um, put it aside, not just through the emergency fund or through the education of your kids, but towards your travel budget. Like we still have the emergency fund. We're still putting towards our kids' education, but we've just decided to prioritize travel as opposed to saving towards a new car, the new technology, et cetera, or even uh, cutting back, cutting back on like those expensive dinners out, those expensive, crazy expensive movie nights where you're spending like popcorn and, and drinks and you know, just that alone, you could almost do a little mini vacation just on the cutting back in a few movies uh, out. Um, so obviously cutting back on expenses um, and then selling. Uh, you have to make a decision if you're going to do something a little bit more drastic, like travel indefinitely or long term. You might want to consider selling your home. If not, then renting it out through things like Airbnb, VRBO, uh, short-term rental, long-term rental. Uh, so obviously, uh, those kind of things will help finance the trip if you end up selling uh, either home or cars or furniture, technology, gadgets, etc. You might want to do a garage sale where you just get rid of the stuff you don't need and you take people's money and they take your stuff and it's a great trade which will allow you to finance some of your troubles. And then uh, this area I want to talk about a little bit longer is the area of sponsorships. So I didn't really get a chance to share that with on the episode so far, but I'll, I'll try to summarize it. Basically, as a travel blogger, I'm able to get a lot of stuff sponsored, including hotels, resorts, sightseeing, food, transport. What I do is I reach out to the tourism board. I say, hey, I'm Ricky. I'm traveling with my wife and kids. We're coming to your city, and we'd love to work together. And uh, what happens is the tourism board, they'll put us up in a hotel. Uh, they'll give us some restaurant uh, meal vouchers. They'll sometimes give us a rental car or like a bus, bus or train vouchers, like metro tickets. And... Um, Sometimes they'll even fly you there and back or 
um, they'll subsidize it. Or they might give you like, I've had like, they'll just give you a visa card, like a couple hundred bucks and they'll be like, okay, here's the visa card and you can do whatever you want with it as long as it's connected to the trip itself. So uh, they won't give us the hotels or the restaurants, but they'll just give us a certain visa card allocation. So what, what happens there is like, you actually have to write about them or you got to blog about them. You got to do a post on social media. Maybe you can be a podcaster and you can just say, Hey, I'm here at the Hilton in Hong Kong, China, and I'm broadcasting live around the world or I'm here at the Ritz-Carlton in Dubai, right? So you can uh, plug your hotel sponsor or the tourism sponsor on your podcast, on your blog, on your social media, and also on your YouTube channel. So this whole area is called like sponsorships. Uh, I have a whole course on this. You're gonna have a link to that, and I, I'm, I'd be happy to talk about it more, but it's a whole bigger topic. And the last area is to get a salary. So we've talked about saving, selling, uh, sponsorships, and the last thing is get a salary. So. What I really recommend uh, people doing is to uh, make money online, um, you know, starting with a side hustle and then building up your uh, business from part-time to full-time, doing things like what Matt's doing or I'm doing. We do uh, private coaching. It's a good trade of time for dollars. And as long as you have a skill set in a certain area, like I have a skill set in being a digital nomad, uh, social media, um, being an influencer, sponsorship, right? I'm coaching all these things. Um, you know, Matt, he, he, he's passionate about their fatherhood and marriage and family. Um, he's coaching people on that. Um, and then there's other people coaching on other things like uh, business or entrepreneurship or business, they're business coaches or life coaches, right? They're helping people find direction and purpose and meaning and they're career coaches, right? So um, coaching is a good way to obviously make money and travel because you can coach from anywhere with internet connection. And then you can do things like uh, online courses. You can do like Kindle books, right? I'm publishing Kindle books all the time. And all these books I publish is passive income, right? I do the work once, put it on Amazon, and then I forget about it. I, I mean, I, I'll promote it every now and then. But uh, people are going to Amazon. They're looking for family travel to North America or family travel to Asia. My book comes up. They buy it. I get paid, right? Same thing with the online courses on Udemy. And um, then you can get money through things like... Um, you know, like getting sponsorships in terms of companies actually paying you. You can do things like social media management. You can do graphic design, web design. You can do ESL teaching or language teaching online. You can do it in another country. Um, there, and you can also, the other option is you can work remotely for a company. So basically, if you have a job that involves a computer and you don't have to actually go to an office and work there physically, you can ask your company if you're allowed to work remotely. Or you can look for jobs specifically that allows remote independent location work. So those are some ways to get a salary online. So just in recap, I know it's a long answer, but I just wanted to end with something very, very tangible and practical. So save first, sell second, get sponsors third, and finally get a salary. And through God's uh, power and might and uh, grace, you'll be able to travel as well. I absolutely love that. And that's some great advice. Uh, well, I'll, have to, I'll, I'll have to get you... Uh, back on the podcast at a, a later time, we can go uh, in more detail about each one of those four, uh, four areas. So uh, uh, finishing up here, uh, what advice would you give men on becoming a better husband? Um, you know, if you listen to this uh, quote, you'll probably be going to be good. Um, happy wife, happy life. And, <laughs> you know, like I have a book all about fatherhood. I actually interviewed 100 dads, just like what you're doing now. I interviewed 100 different dads. Uh, and I, I, I got advice from all the dads in terms of, you know, these kind of things. And the common thing was like, happy wife, happy life. And the, the first uh, kind of wisdom of negative wisdom in my book is listen to your wife. 
And when I do that, my marriage is phenomenal. And I feel, I feel through the roof when I don't listen to her, when I'm stubborn Ricky and I choose to do my own prideful way, we fight. <laughs> we, 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 we just have a terrible marriage. I'm just, I'm kind of being cheeky here, but uh, you know, God's given us amazing women as wives and we need to listen to them. Um, and of course you got to do it in the spirit. Like they're not make you do something stupid or wrong, right? Like listen to them in the sense like they're, they're, they're like your helpers, right? Like God's given them as, I mean, it's not like, okay, treat them poorly or make them serve you all the time. It's like, uh, we are serving them, right? Like Christ served the church, not the way they're around. Right. But I think really listening to your wife, um, supporting her, championing her as well. And uh, working as a team would be one of my biggest um, suggestions is you are working as a team to build a strong marriage. It's not like just her fault all the time. It's not your fault all the time. When there's something's wrong, it's usually both people's fault. So unless saying, oh, she's like this or he's like that, when you realize, man, I'm like that. Again, it all goes back to me, me, me is the problem, right? When we realize that I'm 100% responsible for the failure or success of my marriage, then it goes better. When I start blaming, and I do this, like I blame her, I, I, I judge her, I criticize her, that's when my marriage is on the rocks or it's not as strong as it could be. So just uh, this um, uh, accountability, the personal accountability, the personal responsibility, and of course, prayer. Uh, this is something I really found. When we have a fight, we're so angry at each other, we don't wanna to talk to each other, we wanna to go to bed, and we're just like, we're basically like not even looking at each other, we're kind of turned away from each other. But then when uh, I or she, one of us has to say like, can we pray? And the other person has to say yes, right? They can't just say no or like block it up. Can't, just use those magic words, can we pray? But actually start praying, not just can we pray, <laughs> yes, it's over. But actually pray like, dear Jesus, we need you now, we're struggling, we just had a big fight, can you help us? And there's power, I don't want to use the word magic because it's actually not magic David Copperfield style. It's actually Holy Spirit style magic, right? So it's just like the Holy Spirit is working powerfully in that moment when you pray as a couple and when you humble yourselves and say like, Lord, we need you. Otherwise we're gonna go to bed angry. We're gonna wake up angry. We're gonna be thinking angry thoughts as we sleep. Uh, and we've done both. We've gone to bed angry and we've gone to bed in prayer and the prayer works better than the going to bed angry. <laughs> That's from a lot of personal experience. So definitely highly recommend prayer, 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 listen to your wife and working together as a team. Definitely, wow, some, some really powerful nuggets right there to chew on, absolutely love it. So what advice would you give to men on how to become a better dad? Um, so better dad, um, you know, when I interviewed all these dads on my uh, podcast and my uh, book, uh, this is a common theme as well. Like dads need to spend more time with their kids because dads have been traditionally what? The provider and the protector. I mean, this has been our role, right? Like for years on end, for decades on end, for centuries on end, men are the, you know, even from the cavemen onwards, right? Like men were the ones providing, uh, the moms were the ones taking care of the kids. Um, but times have shifted now. And um, I, I find a lot of the men have told me this, like my dad, he was a great provider, but he wasn't there for me. So this really shifted in me is like, I need to be there for my kids. I need to provide presence before, um, you know, like actual like profit, right? So I need to be present for the sake of my kids. So being the uh, time provider instead of just a money provider is so, 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 so important. I really believe that um, love is spelled time. So T-I-M-E. Um, so we can say, oh, I love you, honey. I love you. Even to my wife, I can say, I love you, honey. 
or I love you kids, right? But really, do we spend time with the people we love? I can say, I love you, Jesus, right? But am I spending time with him, right? So, um, so we need to prioritize time in terms of like uninterrupted quality time and uh, just doing what they love doing. If they love puzzles, do that. Even though you might not like puzzles, you might be like, oh, that's so childish. I'm not into puzzles. Like, uh, I don't like board games, right? We need to like um, break that desire not to do what's good for us, but to do what's good for them, including puzzles, board games, card games, uh, running around, playing tag, playing hide and go seek. Like, us adults, we are not, it's not natural to us. It's not like, Matt, I'm going to hide, you know, I'm going to hide behind the pole. And you we don't do that as adults, right? It's just, it feels weird if we did that. Maybe we should as adults because then we'd have a lot more fun. <laughs> but, uh, you, know, you know, we actually need to shift from this adult mentality to like this, like, let me just humble myself to the point of being like my kids, looking them in the eyes, getting down the ground, wrestling with them, laughing with them, tickling them, right? There's like so much power in just the simple, simple actions. I am such a big advocate of dads reading with the kids, our kids, because a lot of dads, like they'll, they'll kind of allocate that towards the mom. Oh, the mom can read with the kids, you know? And, and I, I used to do that, again, guilty, 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 right? Uh, but I've started shifting where like, no, honey, let me read, today's my day. And then my kids actually have got used to it. They're like, oh, daddy's turn to keep read a story, right? So that's why I wrote these books, by the way, just because I was so passionate about like, uh, um, like dads reading with the kids. I actually wrote books that I was passionate about, which is like family travel, right? So I'm like, if I don't want to read other authors' books, I'm gonna read my own books to my own kids. And my kids <laughs> love it. They're like, let's read the book again, right? So. Um, reading with your kids is really important as well. Uh, and then daddy, son, daddy, daughter dates is so, so, so crucial. Even if you have multiple kids, take one kid out to the ball game, take him out, take him out to uh, do some sports with him, with your daughter, you know, treat her like a princess. Like my, my daughter, like she still remembers we did this when she was like three. She's like, I took her to like fondue. It was like chocolate fondue. And she keeps saying like, oh, can we go to fondue again, daddy? Can we go to fondue again? It was like one day on a Valentine's Day, like when she was three. And she keeps remembering that moment where daddy took her on Valentine's Day to eat fondue. And he, now she's six. And she keeps remembering that as kind of like the solid, lasting, concrete memory in her spirit. So, yeah, those are some of my tips for being a better dad. And I mean, it's really the time variable. Spend time with them. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Uh, Ricky, you've given us so many great nuggets of wisdom and so many different things to think about and to, to, to meditate over, to pray over, to, to, to really take and, and to plug into our own families. Uh, what is the best way that people can reach out to you and connect to you? Yeah, easy peasy. It's uh, daddyblogger.com. Um, so that has everything I do on there. It has my uh, private coaching. It has my books. It has my online courses. It has links to my social media, my podcast, my YouTube channel. I have a lot of resources for especially for dads. I have a book um, in terms of just a book written by a dad, me, uh, and in interviewing 100 dads and putting those that all those gems of wisdom into book form. Then I have my kids book series, like seven of them about the seven continents. Um, then I have a whole bunch of online courses specifially to do with entrepreneurship and um, uh, internet marketing. So I really love equipping dads to be internet marketers um, and uh, make money online. So if you guys are interested in that area of, uh, uh, you know, like um, income generation uh, through the power of the internet. So I, I have a lot of resources around that. And I have a whole bunch of podcasts and uh, YouTube videos all about family travel too. So there's a lot 
that you can dissect and chew on on daddyblogger.com. Yeah, definitely. Ricky, thank you so much for being on the Wrestling with Fatherhood podcast. Uh, you've given the listeners and myself so much, so many, so many gold nuggets to look at and to chew on. So thank you so much for being on here. You're well, welcome, Matt. I just wanted to kind of uh, acknowledge you and the amazing work you're doing with your podcast and with your training and coaching. Uh, we really need uh, dads like you to step up and man up and dad up and to provide uh, resources and help and support for other dads. So I just wanted to acknowledge the amazing work you're doing and uh, keep up the good work, Matt, with uh, wrestling with fatherhood. Thank you. Uh, much appreciated. So if you want to learn more about Ricky, check out his website. Like he just said, it's daddyblogger.com. Again, I'll say that again, daddyblogger.com. Uh, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about what wrestling with fatherhood is all about, check out our website. That is www.fatherhood.com. Again, that's www.fatherhood.com. You can also check out our Facebook group at Wrestling with Fatherhood. Uh, also search Google. Anything that you put in there, Wrestling with Fatherhood, should come up with uh, Wrestling with Fatherhood. So uh, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys all have a great day and uh, have a good one.